Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Are you a Christian-based organization? Well, so are we, and we're here to serve you. We want to help you with your mission, so please visit ParagonMarketingGroup.com to see how we can help. Well, hi, everybody. Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ. Thank you so much for joining us here on another exciting episode of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. It is a blessing to have you because the most sacred gift you have to offer, it's not money, it's not jewels, it's not, I don't know, crazy spices from Eurasia. No, no. The most sacred gift that you have is time. There's only a finite amount of it. And once it's gone, it's gone. And the fact that you are blessing us with your most sacred commodity means the world to all of us here at C-Suite for Christ, and I promise that we're going to be a good steward of it because, man, we got a good show lined up here for you. Our guest of honor today is Matt Phillips. He is the founder of Matt Phillips Leadership Coaching. He is also a mental toughness expert, which I suppose you have to be if you're going to be in the hot seat being interviewed by yours truly. He's a relatively new member of C-Suite for Christ. He still has that new member smell to him, which is really kind of neat, but he is a fantastic person, has a really unique outlook on life, and we're very excited to be interviewing him here momentarily. But one of the things that I just have to ask you, there's a lot of questions I could ask you, but today in particular, are you a CEO, a CEO from the state of Wisconsin? If so, who the heck do you have on your team, whether it's two people, 32 people, 152 people? Who do you need on your team? Are you looking for that next awesome talent? Are you looking for that next superstar? Well, I got good news for you because Culture Index has the business solution to drive revenue, profitability, and company scale by concentrating on your most expensive and subjective asset. Yes, indeed, that is your people. To learn more about this fantastic world-class organization, go to their website, cultureindex.com, and please make sure you tell them that C-Suite for Christ sent you. Last thing for you, we're going to dive right on into this. What are you doing on February 9th? It's a Thursday night. February, you got, uh, gosh, more snow, cold weather, I guess, depending on where you're living, you know, the, the, the days and the nights are still kind of short. Wouldn't you like a little excitement in your life on Thursday, February 9th? If so, you got to make plans to join us for our annual gala. It's called the Covering the World in Christ Celebration. It's going to be taking place in West Bend, Wisconsin. So if you're in this area or you want to come to this area, we'd love to see you in person. Otherwise, you can join this fantastic program via live stream. Our keynote speaker is going to be Governor Mike Huckabee. Our musical performer is going to be Christian music sensation Danny Goki. We're going to celebrate all the great stuff that God is doing in our life. We're going to encourage each other, pray for each other, and we are going to make a bold declaration that we are done being quiet as it pertains to our faith. And this is just a great way to celebrate all things that are Christian. Again, the Covering the World in Christ celebration, February 9th. Tickets are going very quickly. You wait on this much longer, you ain't going to have an opportunity. I hate to tell you. Go to our website, csuiteforchrist.com, and buy your tickets today. Let's talk a little bit about ribbons. And it's uh, when I say the word ribbon, like one of the things that makes me me is I'm a bit of a Seinfeld fan. If you've ever seen the the, the 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 classic episodes featuring Jerry Seinfeld and you have that guy, I don't even know what accent he is, but it was like breast cancer awareness. That was like the episode and they're all wearing ribbons. And I think Kramer is not wearing the ribbon. And that individual is like, who's this guy not wearing the ribbon? The ribbon. Who's not wearing the ribbon? You too good for the ribbon? 
I'm nuts. That's why I'm I'm in a <laughs> an isolated studio all by myself. But let's talk a little bit about ribbons because I I have an issue with this, and part of the reason that I have an issue with this is I come at this from two different perspectives. So let's do the first one. Way back when, when I was single before I had kids and I had a little bit more free time on my hands, I coached Little League Baseball. Now, when I say Little League, I don't mean like T-ball, like these kids are four and, you know, they're, they're running the wrong direction and everybody's just fawning over how adorable it is. I'm talking about Little League. I mean, this was 10 through 13. So, again, it, it's not, you know, the major leagues where you're taking this Uber seriously, but it's not four-year-old T-ball either. It's getting to the point now where, hey, okay, who are the good players? Where are we going to position them? Let's start getting some advanced uh, you know, signals and strategies and everything else. And one of the things that I was very disappointed by when I was coaching this, uh, this age group 10 through 13 is the rules that we had as coaches. I don't know how long these rules were in place. I don't know if these rules were put in place because there were some unruly parents. I have no idea. But all I knew is that every kid had to play at least three innings and no kid could play the same position the entire game. One, now I have to have like an advanced degree in trigonometry to figure this out. I mean, usually I'm thinking if I'm a coach and I'm doing this because I'm a volunteer for the love of the game, you think you would want to make it as easy as possible. Now, I mean, and again, it's a big team. There, there, there were no cuts. So every kid that wanted to play was on a team. And, and this year in particular, a lot of kids want to play. Well, as you know, when you take all the positions on the baseball diamond, you're looking at nine individuals. I had 16 kids on my team. So every kid has to play at least three innings. Okay, now I'm just thinking, who's going to play? When are they going to play? I mean, what, what happens if we're up by one run heading into the last inning? And now I got to, I love all the kids, but now I got to play my scrubs. Is it better to play the scrubs early on and then hopefully come back? Is it better to play them at the end of the game and pray that they don't blow it? And then every kid has, you know, one, every kid can't play the same position all game. So I've got my flamethrower pitcher who is Nolan Ryan on steroids. Well, now I got to move him to third base. I, I've got maybe the worst player on my team. I'm trying to tuck him away deep into right field. Well, I got to find a new position for him. One, it made my life obscenely difficult. But number two, I, I just couldn't help but think, this is not setting these kids up for real-world success. Everybody who wanted to play got to play. Well, I just kind of started asking myself, well, one of the, the things that you have as a coach is you've got this – very important lever. And that lever is basically playing time. If you listen to me, you'll play. If you show up ready to ready to go, you'll play. If you go to practice, you'll play. If you work hard with your parents, you'll play. If you're doing batting drills over the weekend and you come to practice and you're hitting frozen ropes all over the field, you'll play. Well, they were tying my hands here. What was the motivation for these kids? Now, some of these kids... Really just they wanted to be, you know, the next Albert Pujols or uh, Aaron Judge or whoever, you know, fill in the blank. So they went above and beyond. They showed up every day. These were just naturally good kids that love to work. But some of these kids had no incentive. They didn't show up to practice. Why do they need to? They're going to play. They like to screw around at practice. Why do I need to listen to the coach? I'm going to play. And I think not only was our team not as good as it otherwise could be because of these stupid rules and the fact that everybody knew that they were going to play, but I'm just, I'm just thinking you got these kids in the formative years of their life. They're 10, they're 11, they're 12. What kind of lessons are you teaching them? If you want something, don't worry, you're going to get it. If you want to be in the spotlight, don't worry, just show up. If you feel like other people are better than you, don't worry we're going to put you on an equal plane because nobody can have any hurt feelings. It was frustrating as a coach, and I only did it for one year. I mean, those rules were nuts. I had to have two or three assistant coaches just kind of help me keep track of everything. But, but just I, I just couldn't be associated with an organization that had this participation trophy. Now, Paul, you're being too hard on the kids. Like I said, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, you're, you're starting to get a little older here. You know, you're, you're getting to the precipice of teenagers. When do you cut the cord? When do you start saying, if you want something, go get it? 
If you want to get a lot of playing time, earn it, as opposed to just this participation ribbon society. Basically, everybody got a prize. It doesn't matter how good you were. It doesn't matter how talented you were. It doesn't matter what you were contributing to the team. As long as you showed up, you got a prize. They didn't have to be disciplined in their training. They didn't have to show up to practice. They didn't have to listen to their coach. And it was very frustrating, to say the least. Well, I mean, the the frustration that I felt as this Little League coach in that situation is some of the frustration that I feel right now as the leader of the C-Suite for Christ movement. It's a different field. It's a different organization. It's in a different category. But I'd say the frustration is not only there, it's more. It's worse. Because, again, when you compare faith, when you compare Christianity to Little League Baseball, the stakes are just way higher. Little League Baseball, I'm out some time. I'm a little frustrated. Little League Baseball, these kids start having a little bit more of an entitlement mentality. These kids aren't practicing as hard. These kids aren't going above and beyond. Yeah, you'd like to turn all that around and not have that be a problem. But, again, compared to the ramifications on the spiritual side, it's not that intense. We have a participation ribbon problem in Christianity today. We have an entitlement problem in Christianity today, and it's got to be called out. It's got to be rooted out, and the people that have this issue need to wake up. When, When you think of God, what do you think of? Who do you think of? Describe this God, this heavenly father for me. I'll tell you, just based on some of the conversations that I've had, the people that I've gotten to know and research I've done and everything else, I mean, faith is my life now. You used to, I mean, faith has always been a part of my life, but now it's almost my whole life. I mean, this is also my career, my vocation, my job. So I'm, I'm, I'm way more immersed in this than I otherwise would have been. But again, when when most people think of God, what do they think of? They think of this loving, all-patient, all-forgiving father who sometimes is like a genie in a bottle or a gumball machine. You want something, you rub his head, you rub the lamp, and poof, your prayers are answered. And individuals that believe, hey, you know, as long as I as long as I follow the Ten Commandments, as long as I stay plugged into him, I'm good. That's a participation ribbon mentality when it comes to your faith. As long as I show up, I'm good. As long as I'm involved, I'm good. As long as I follow the rules, I'm good. As long as I read the instruction manual once a year around Christmas time or Easter, I'm good. You hear these people often they talk about deathbed conversions. You know, I'm going to lead, lead the lead, the life that I want to live. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do all the things that I want to do. I'm going to be me. And then when I'm on my deathbed, I'll repent of my sins. I'll ask for forgiveness and life will all be good at that point. Now, again, I can't prove any of this. I'm not a PhD in uh, biblical history. I'm not a pastor. I mean, like, like, like there's no training that I have. But again, one, a couple of things that I do have. One, I've had a good relationship with my Lord and Savior for a long time. I'm in the Word daily. Uh, I, th- I think I'm a pretty good judge of, of human nature. I've also got a high degree of emotional intelligence, and I cannot believe that anybody who feels that is the way to live a Christian life is going to be extremely happy and satisfied when they're called to their heavenly home. Because Christianity is not a participation society event. It's not, oh, you were at church a couple times a month? Congratulations, here's your crown. Oh, you opened the the Bible a couple times a year? Congratulations, here's your crown. Oh, you donated to charity a couple times a year? Congratulations, here's your crown. Oh, you said a prayer when you were down on your knees and the weight of the world was closing in and you had nowhere else to go. Congratulations, here's your crown. This is not Little League Baseball where every kid gets to play. This is, Faith is not where, oh, you have a little bit of faith? 
you you believe in God, congratulations, you're automatically going to heaven. I refuse to believe that. I think, first of all, faith is a necessity to get into heaven. You need to have a relationship with your heavenly father. There needs to be good works and deeds also. Now, you cannot earn your way into heaven, but you need to live out your faith. You need to carry your faith. You need to reflect the sun's light into the world. And sun is S-O-N, by the way. It's not just I'm entitled to heaven because I'm a, I call myself a Christian. It doesn't work that way. And the reason I can firmly state that it does not work that way is because it says so in Scripture. One of the hallmarks of our ministry at C-Suite for Christ is I'm going to implore you, do not trust the human word. I like the fact you're listening to me. I like the fact that you're you're letting what I say resonate, but I am not the final authority. I am a busted, broken, sinful, horrible, rotten human being. I'm glad that you're listening. I think you should take what I say under advisement, but I am so far from the final authority, it's not even funny. We don't stand on the human word at C-Suite for Christ. We stand on the holy word. And to back up the point that I'm making, let's go to the holy word. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 25. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize so run to win all athletes are disciplined in their training they do it to win a prize that'll fade away but we do it for an eternal prize a couple things about this so if we look at first corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize so run to win that is the opposite of participation trophy. That is the opposite of my little league situation. That is the opposite of come one, come all, whether your kid is 50 pounds overweight, whether your kid has ever held a baseball bat, don't worry, everybody's going to play. We love you. We don't want any hurt feelings. No, that is not the case with respect to Christianity. We are all in a race. We are all running a race right now. But according to scripture, very few of us get the prize. Now, this is saying only one person gets the prize, but I want to kind of provide some color commentary on this. Everyone is running a race. That's what this life is. And you, you hear that a lot when people die, when they go to heaven. I fought the good fight. I ran the good race. That, that's what this is. This is a race. And in every single race, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Now, whether you live for 30 years or you live for 130 years, some races are a little bit longer than others, but this is a grind. We need to pace ourselves. We need to take our time, but we know that this is a long race. We're all running one, but we're not competing against each other. We're competing against ourselves. Are we growing in our faith? Are we growing in our understanding of scripture? Are we living out the commandments and the virtues that God shares with us in his instruction manual, aka the Bible? Are we developing a more intimate relationship with our heavenly father? Just because you show up for the race, which to be honest, we didn't have a choice. You were born, you're in the race. Not, none of us raised our hand to say, oh, I'd like to be born today. I get credit for wanting to be born. You had no say in being born. By being born, you are in the race. You are not entitled to heaven just because you're here. You are not entitled to heaven just because you're showing up to church once in a while, because you're opening your Bible once in a while, because you're praying once in a while, because you call yourself a Christian once in a while, because you donate to charity once in a while. You will only get the prize if you earn that prize. Now, when I say earn, you cannot earn your way into heaven by doing good deeds. What I mean by earn is you need to work for that prize. 
The first thing you need to do is you need to openly accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Welcome him into your heart. Tell him that you surrender your life to him. Tell him that you surrender all of your talents to him because you want to submit to his will for your life. That's step one. But step one is not just to say it, but to believe it. A lot of people will say it. I'm a Christian. I love God but they don't act it. They don't believe it. You have to believe it in your heart of hearts that you are a beloved son of a heavenly king or a daughter of a heavenly king. Once that has happened, once you've accepted your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, into your life, you need to start the process of developing an intimate relationship with him. He is your father. He should be your best friend. But if he's a genie in a bottle, a gumball machine, if you believe in the prosperity gospel that says, well, if I pray enough, God's going to give me enough, it ain't ever going to happen for you. God and Jesus want an intimate relationship with you because they love you, and that takes effort. That takes work. Daily prayer, daily alone time. Uh, as it says in scripture, be still and know that I am God. How often are you still and meditating on God's word for you? This all takes work. This all takes effort. You're not going to get a ribbon. You're not going to automatically go to heaven just because you're saying the right stuff. You need to truly accept him into your heart. You need to truly cultivate uh, uh, an intimate relationship with him. And then what I would say, thirdly, you need to take that into the world and do two things. One, bring others to him. That is the whole purpose of the C-Suite for Christ ministry. We stand on the Great Commission. As Jesus told his disciples as he was are ready to go up to heaven in the ascension, go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, into the Son, into the Holy Spirit. You cannot be a quiet Christian. That is an oxymoron. That is pulling us, that is like saying a tall midget or a short giant. You can't do that. You cannot be a quiet Christian because if you're a Christian, if you accept Jesus Christ, if you believe in everything it says in the Bible, one of the biggest pillars of our faith, in addition to loving God and loving others, is you must take the good news into the world and bring other people to him. Are you doing that? It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, not the Great Recommendation. Are you bringing others to Christ? That takes work. That takes effort. So does making a baseball team. So does getting regular playing time on any other athletic field, whether it be as a kid, whether it be you at the office trying to get that promotion. And then in addition to bringing others to Christ via the Great Commission, you also need to reflect God's love into society. You tell people you're a Christian. Are you acting like it? Do you treat others with love and kindness and forgiveness and respect and grace? Do curse words constantly emanate from your mouth? Are you living a life the opposite of what God is calling us to live? Here's a convicting question that I like to say from time to time, not only in my speeches, but also on my radio program, which is different than this podcast, is this. If Christianity were outlawed in this country overnight and somebody accused you of being said Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And if the answer is no, then we got a problem on our hands here. I firmly believe with every fiber of my being that all four of those things need to exist if you're going to have a good shot at heaven. Now, do I know for sure? No, but I'm reading scripture. I'm praying about it. I'm asking for guidance. I, I talk to people on a regular basis, and this is what I believe has to happen. One, in your heart of hearts, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Surrender your entire life to him. Those who lose their life find it, and those who find it lose it. You're not going to die if you say, okay, God, this is your life now. I've lost my life. You have it. Oh, by the way, now, you, now you'll find it accordingly. 
Number one, surrender your entire being to God. Number two, develop an intimate personal relationship with God. Number three, take what he's telling you, take what he's giving you, take what he's teaching you and go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And then number four, you must, 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 must be truth and advertising. Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian if you were accused of being just that? Take some work to do all those things, doesn't it? You're going to have to put in some effort to do all four of those things, aren't you? You can't just roll out of bed and assume you're going to go to heaven, can you? Just like the participation ribbon mentality is killing kids, is killing society, is creating a fat, weak, soft, marshmallowy society. It's also doing all of that for Christianity because people aren't being pushed. People aren't being challenged. People aren't being held accountable. This is a society today where we live in a safe Christianity. Do you believe in God? Oh, good, good. You read your Bible twice this year? Oh, good, good. Did you, you, you showed up for Christmas mass? Oh, wasn't it great? Good, good. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you had better put in the work. You had better put in the effort because just think about what God did for you to give you the opportunity to make this team, to give you the opportunity to be a starter on this team, to give you the opportunity to be successful on this team. Do you have a child? If you don't, do you have a niece or a nephew? If you don't, do you have a favorite pet? If you don't, you got to get a life. Just kidding. But, but just think about that. If you have a child, if you have a niece or a nephew, if you have a pet, Think about how much you love that entity. Think about how much you would die for that entity. Just think about how much happiness that entity gives you. And imagine there's a group of people out there that just hate you. They despise you. They're mocking you. They don't believe you. They're terrorizing you. They're, they're pelting your home with eggs. They're, they're, they're going on social media and just telling the whole world what an evil, rotten person you are. What you do for those people is you take that child, you take that niece or nephew, you take that pet and you have it killed in a gruesome, horrific fashion just so those people can be forgiven. Can you even comprehend that? That is what God did for us. God sent his only son. He didn't have another child. There's no one to replace Jesus. He sent his only son, whom he loved, whom he was proud of, whom was the apple of his eye. He sent him into earth to take on human form and die the most horrific death imaginable to save the lives of people who didn't believe in God, who thought God was a myth, who cursed God, who turned their back on God. This is who he saved. Why? So that you and I have a chance to make the team. But we're only going to make the team if we put in the work. Are you working on surrendering your entire being to Jesus Christ and God? Are you working on developing an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father? Are you working to bringing other people towards Him in honor of the Great Commission? Are you working to reflect your Heavenly Father's love for mankind everywhere you go? And if the answer is no, 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 guess what? When you go up for that final exit interview in the sky, that may be a tough conversation because this is not participation ribbon Christianity. This is not soft Christianity. God has done everything up to this point because he loves you. And it's because he loves you that he's given you, me, and all of us an opportunity to spend eternal life in paradise, but only if we work at it, if only we make it a priority, and if only we don't take anything for granted and we have no assumptions. Because if all of those things happen, we don't get a stupid little blue ribbon. We don't get one of those little $5 dollar store trophies where the 
person on the top falls off a lot. We don't get like one of those, you know, McDonald's paper crowns that are going to tear the minute you put it on your head. No, what we're going to get is we're going to get a prize that does not fade away. We're going to get a, a prize that no moth and vermin can destroy. We're going to get a prize that you're not going to lose when you move from one house to the next. We are going to get an eternal prize, an eternal crown, life in eternity next to God, next to Jesus, if only we work at it. It is true. Your works cannot save you. Only God's grace can save us. The fact that he sent his only son to die, Jesus's blood has wiped our slates clean, has rinsed us of our sins and transgressions as long as we stay rooted in that. So we can't earn salvation, but we have to work toward winning the race, our race. I'm not competing against anybody else. Today's version of Paul M. Newberger is competing against yesterday's. Am I getting closer to God? Am I learning the Bible better? Am I bringing more people to him? Am I better reflecting his love for all of humanity to all of creation? And if the answers are yes, 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 I'm winning my race. And it's my fervent prayer that in your busy day today, with work and personal life and kids and money and stresses and everything else, that of all the races you're running today, the race to become a better parent, the race to be a better spouse, the race to go up the corporate ladder, the race to provide for your family, the race to hang with the Joneses, whatever it is, it is my fervent prayer in the marrow of my bones that you put more of a priority on the race that doesn't earn you stuff, that doesn't earn you earthly admiration. It's the race that gets you that eternal prize. And together, all of us can achieve that. One person who knows a lot about this is Matt Phillips, and he's going to come on this program right after a short break. Don't go anywhere. Well, welcome back, everybody. Getting very excited because C-Suite for Christ member Matt Phillips is about 60 seconds away. But before we have this powerful conversation with Mr. Phillips, I would just encourage you to join the conversation. Now, we can't necessarily get everybody on the podcast. That's not really what I mean by it. But when I talk about join the conversation, we believe that we're, power, we're more powerful together. We're more strong together. And when you look at a, a realm such as social media, I think you'll readily agree that social media needs more Christ. Well, who better than C-Suite for Christ than you to shine God's light into that very dark chasm? In case you haven't found us on social media, and if that's the case, what's the matter with you? Just kidding. I love you. Uh, we are all over the socials. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on YouTube. We would love it if you could support our content. But again, not just like, follow, subscribe, but also weigh in. Share with us your thoughts. Share with us what's going on in your life. And with us working together, we will, in every uh, every iteration of the word, cover the world in Christ. One person who is doing his fair share to cover the world in Christ is Matt Phillips. He's a relatively new member of C-Suite for Christ. He still has that new executive smell to him, which is really kind of neat. Uh, he's also the CEO and founder of Matt Phillips Coaching. This guy is a leadership guru as well as a mental toughness expert, and it's a blessing to have him on the program today. Matt, how are you, brother? I am doing fantastic. How are you, Paul? I am always slightly better when I'm talking to you for some weird reason. I don't know why that is. Hey, you know, I God puts people in, in other people's paths for certain reasons, and I think we were connected for that reason and just excited to get to talk to you again and to get to dive deeper into God and business and everything in between. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. We got a lot of stuff to unpack, and our audience wants to hear less of me and more of you. So I'm going to start shutting up here. But as you know, we are unpacking a very powerful verse. I don't know how well-known this verse is, especially maybe to some people that are relatively new to the faith, maybe don't spend a whole lot of time in Scripture, but it's one that they should absolutely familiarize themselves with. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 
verses 24 and 25. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Well, Matt is a former athlete. I, I can see why this verse would resonate with you. Eager to get your thoughts on this. What does 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 25 mean to you specifically? It actually, you know, give you a little background on why I'm so passionate just about these verses. I'm about, oh my gosh, 10, 12 years ago now with a pastor friend of mine here in the Denver area, we started a nonprofit called Lasting Crown. And, and full disclosure, we haven't done much with it over the last number of years, but our whole purpose was, again, we are both athletes. And as with business people, athletes, we all go through different changes in life, right? Different situations come up. And at this time, the, you know, God laid on our hearts to start this nonprofit to help athletes through different issues that they faced, right? Whether it was transition to life after sports, whether it was dealing with injuries, uh, things of that nature, Paul. And this is the, these are the verses we landed on of like, what do we even name this organization? Right. And it's, from an athletic perspective, we're all running. From a business leader perspective, we're all running, right? We're running towards something. We're trying to create something. And oftentimes in life, we get distracted of what truly is important and what truly matters. And one thing that has just been foundational in my life, it's foundational in our business as well and how we teach and how we coach is that, listen, ultimately we're trying to get to one place and it's heaven, right? And we're running towards that. And that's what we should be running towards ultimately, right? You know, the houses and the cars and building the businesses and, you know, building great leaders along the way. Like Those are all great. They're fine. But we have to keep our focus on God and, and what's most important. And so this is that's why it resonates so hard for me or so well for me, because, you know, life can be challenging and difficult. And we at least I get distracted a lot uh, from what truly is important. So these verses keep me focused on. Listen, I am. I am training. I am. I, I want to get to heaven. I want to stand at the pearly gates one day and actually be let into the pearly gates. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't know, embrace God and Jesus one day. Um, and I've got to maintain that focus. And so for me as an athlete, once an athlete, always an athlete, this keeps me focused, locked in, excited. And when I get off track, because we all get off track, it, it just helps me tweak that focus a little bit to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I forgot. That's what's most important. Let me refocus on that. Yeah, and it's so easy. As you said, it's mm -hmm. so easy to lose focus. And this is part of the reason why I love talking to individuals such as yourself. This is part of the reason why I'm so madly enamored with our mission at C-Suite for Christ. We're an organization that comes together, not only for fellowship and networking, as important as that is, but we're here to pray for each other, to encourage each other, and to remind each other about why we're running this race in the first place, I don't know about you, Matt, but I've never seen a U-Haul follow a hearse. So, you know, you, you get the big houses, as you said, you get the cars, you get the Rolex watches. Ain't going to do you a whole lot of good, at least as it pertains to your soul. And I do think that constant reminder is a blessing for sure. One yes. of the words I want to kind of glom onto here, you brought it up as a former stud athlete yourself. I, I, I know you're very familiar with training and I think as it pertains to athletic competitions, you know, we all have a very good understanding of what that training entails. Now, I, I will admit I'm a little lax in this area. So, you know, you're the expert as opposed to me. But, you know, going to the gym, running, lifting weights, that, that that's really the training and an athletic perspective. But this mm -hmm. verse talks about training in a spiritual perspective. In your opinion, Matt, what does training to run the spiritual race look like? That's a fabulous question because, you know, I think I talk all the time. Time is our biggest issue, right? Time is a limited resource. Like money is not limited, right? You can go find it. You can go create it. The government can print it, but it's time that we're we're chasing. And so when I look from an athletic perspective, and this is true of when we're going after a relationship with God or in a relationship with Jesus, right? It's First of all, do I really understand why I'm doing it, right? Because I can train all day long from an athletic perspective, but like, why am I really doing this? And back when I was playing baseball, clearly it was to 
condition myself to position myself to have the greatest opportunity possible on the field, right? To expand the opportunities for me to the next level. And I was fortunate to have that happen. Um, I think the same thing is true where we're at today of like, why am I seeking this, like kind of getting to heaven? Why am I on this chase? And you have to understand like the bigger purpose behind it. And that's really where all training begins, right? Because if you're not motivated by that end goal, you will not do the training necessary to make that happen. You have to be fired up and excited by that. It's no different than the businesses you run or that you work for. Like you, I hope you have a passion for what you do or the company you work for. Otherwise, it's a slog. I mean, it's a slog, right? That's no fun for anyone. So that's where I always start, Paul, of like, why are you doing this? And so, you know, that's back to that purpose question, right? Of, you know, I... My, I have two huge goals in what I do. Um, one is that when I get to the pearly gates, I want to, when I'm having that first conversation with God, I want, I want him to say to me, uh, you fully utilized the talents and gifts that I gave you. You fully utilized them. And so that gets me excited, right? Of like, that's what I'm doing. Uh, my other big driver, not spiritual in nature necessarily, is that I want to show my kids what's possible in this world. So, and in order to do that, it has to be focused on the, the Christian aspect side of things, right? In Christ. Um, and so that's where I would challenge everybody. Like, are you passionate where you're at? Do you actually know why you're going after that and doing that? Um, as far as the training itself, Paul, there's a couple of thoughts I have. One is the word consistency. The one and done training, like going to the gym once, lifting some weights, getting super sore, and then you never go back. Like, like ever, ever, how well does that serve you from like a weight loss or fitness perspective, right? Like horribly, we all know that. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to the spiritual faith side of things. So it's starting to put together a plan that you can be consistent with. So one thing I believe in, it's if you do the small things consistently, that's going to get you where you want to go. And oftentimes I believe, and this is something I used to do, right? Of like, okay, I'm going to, you know, change all my spiritual habits and I'm going to, I'm going to go all in on this stuff and, and, and pray and go to church a bunch and, you know, listen to all these podcasts and do all this and that, and that, that. And all of a sudden my brain's like overwhelmed. Like I'm overwhelmed. And there is no way that I'm going to stay consistent with that. Like there's no way I'm just not going to do it. So Maybe I'm, I, I don't know, I have a simple, God gave me a simple mind, right? I think I'm based on simplicity, but it's like, what's the simple thing that I can do to, that I can, you know, even if it's a couple minutes a day, if I can stay consistent with it, my goodness, like you look down the road, I've exponentially grown my impact. I've grown my faith. I've grown that relationship with God. It's just about that consistency. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Here I am interrupting you, but but please, I thought you were done. I'll add one more thing, and then I want to turn it back to you because I wish I brought a bigger notepad for this conversation. There's just a lot of really good stuff, but but I'm hoping the audience can see that. I mean, this is why Matt, in particular, is such an in-demand leadership coach. Is just these little nuggets. One, knowing your why. Yeah, I mean, if for for you to really start recognizing that this has got to be bigger than you, whether it's about your mm -hmm. kids or the kingdom or whatever the case may be, I would certainly echo that. But the other thing that, that I think Matt is really hitting on is the simplicity. And I think when anybody looks at success in the business world, you know, Steve Jobs certainly comes to mind, the late great founder mm -hmm. of the Apple Corporation. And one of my favorite quotes that, that Steve said a lot, which is what I'm hearing from you, Matt, is Steve had said this, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Mm -hmm. And your ability to keep it simple is really just that. So anyway, back to you, Matt. But yeah, all, all these things that you're saying, I just, I couldn't agree more. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, when you look at the great leaders, spiritual leaders, political leaders, business leaders, moms, dads, when you look at the best of the best, they have this uncanny ability to do just that, right? How do I just stay consistent? So when you're talking about meeting with your kids, right, or spending time with your kids, you know, I find that overwhelming sometimes. Like, I, you know, we have, we're have blessed with three great children, now 16, 15, and 11. And again, we fight time, right? So I sit here and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to spend time with each kid. Well, what if I just spent like five minutes a day with each one? And people are like, oh, that's not enough. 
you need hours with each kid. No, you don't. You need minutes with each kid. But if you do it every day or every couple of days, my goodness, you transform your relationship, right? And I, I tell the story all the time. Um, one of my clients is a CFO. And, you know, I'm again, athlete, right? So routines are important, right? What routines you get yourself in. So morning routine, evening routine, lunchtime routine, whatever it is. And I had challenged this leadership team, including the CFO to get up 30 minutes early every day and start their day off differently. Like, let's mix up the routine, basically, right? What are you going to do differently? And, you know, I talked to the CFO. We were up in Breckenridge in the mountains. It was a whole really cool thing. A couple of days with his team. And then two months later, I called the CFO to check in and see how things are going. And he says, Matt, he goes, that routine thing we did changed my life. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, come on. If somebody says that to you, Paul, you're like, okay, whoa, that's a bold statement. Like, what did you do? Like, I'm, I'm my curiosity, like meter just went, I'm like, what did you do? Cause that's a substantial statement. And he said, well, I decided to get up 30 minutes early every day. And what I decided to do at that time is make my two children breakfast and sit and eat with them. He said, it's completely transformed our relationship. So it's the small things done consistently 30 minutes isn't that big a bulk of time right so i for some of the listeners it's like what are you doing with your time right if you want to grow in faith if you want to grow in a relationship with jesus if you want to grow the relationship with your children or your wife or your husband or whoever what small thing can you implement that you can stick with that could change everything for you right uh, whenever i'm driving in the car paul I always have either a Christian radio station on or like I'll, I'll have the Sirius XM on with like Joel Osteen or, or like some other pastor or listen to something so that my mind's always being fed. Well, it's a routine I get in that whenever I get in the car, it's on. Like I don't have to decide. I don't have to like change anything. I don't have to flip stations. It's just on. And I get to listen to that and have that feed my mind and my soul as I drive to wherever I happen to be going, whether it's to Chipotle for lunch or to the co-working space in the office or to meet one of my teammates or to meet a client. It's how do you shift your perspective? Could you read the Bible five minutes a day? Could you listen to a sermon that are all over the place, podcasts and videos and YouTube? Could you commit five minutes a day to that. It's not enough. No, nope, it adds up. Do the math, right? If you read 10 pages of a book per day, 10 pages a day, that'll take you less than 10 minutes. If you add up, add, do the math, it adds up to six to seven full books per year. Well, and, and what you're, yeah, what you're talking about here is one of the things regrettably I've had to learn the hard way. Life is all about quality versus mm -hmm. quantity and just another area where you and I are similar here, Brother Matt, I too have three children. I too am very tough on myself. And I was, I was always in this lose-lose situation where I'll spend three hours with my kids on a Wednesday afternoon, and then I'm feeling bad that I'm not doing work or I'll do work. And I'll say, geez, I'm feeling bad. I'm not spending time with my kids. And once I adopted this quality over quantity mindset, yeah, that really solved everything. I would rather have 15 great minutes where my kids have my full attention, where I'm totally emotionally invested in them than three hours of me just sitting on the couch scrolling through my phone. And yes. I think that would certainly be a good takeaway for the audience. The other thing real quick is I got one more question that I want to really excited to get your feedback on. But the other one, from one sports nut to another, my mm -hmm. favorite actor of all time is Al Pacino. And, and when he was in the movie Any Given Sunday, yeah. his locker room speech about how those inches are all around us. And it's the team that's willing to fight for those inches, claw for those inches, die for those inches is the team that's going to win. And although he's talking about a sports analogy, I think you're exactly right in the sense that those Christian inches are all mm -hmm. around us as well. And if we're willing to fight for them and go after them, those inches will add up quite significantly. Speaking so of right. speaking of sports, and again, would love to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I, I think regrettably today we're living in this participation ribbon society. Well, my kid could play just because he wants to, even though he's horribly out of shape, eats more Twinkies than catches fly balls and uh, hasn't been studying the playbook, whatever it is. My kid should get a trophy, even if he rode the pine all year. 
I also think to some degree we have this participation society problem when it comes to the Christian faith. People say, hey, look, I go to church. I deserve to go to heaven. Look, I pray once in a while. I deserve to go to heaven. And that can be not only just as dangerous, I would say more dangerous because here we're talking about eternity. So talk to me about that, if you will. Why would why is this participation ribbon mentality when it comes to faith such a dangerous mentality to have? Uh, it breeds complacency. It, it takes your focus off of truly what's important. And ultimately, I think the end goal is, you know, each one of us was put on this earth for a very specific reason, right? And I, I touched on it before. We have gifts and talents that we were given that at least my drive is like, how do I utilize those to their fullest ability? Every one of us, everyone listening today was put on this earth to have a massive impact. And by massive impact, I don't mean that you're necessarily making millions and millions of dollars. I don't necessarily mean that you've got millions and millions of friends. I'm saying that whatever that means, God has ordained you to have that impact. So if we are not diligent, if we don't have the discipline, I believe that we are going to look back on our life with those regrets that when we get to those pearly gates, while we might still be let in, and I don't know, I, I you know, I have this, I, I live with this healthy fear of the Lord, right? Which we're, we're taught to fear the Lord. And I have this fear of like, oh gosh, like, I hope I don't get up there. And, um, you know, even though I've accepted, you know, Jesus is my savior and, and I hope I don't get up there. And he's like, oh, you know what? You checked nine out of 10 boxes, but you know, that one thing you were thinking about doing, but you didn't do. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's going to hold you back. Now. I, I don't know if that's true. I guess I'll figure it out someday. And I don't know, maybe you and I could talk about it when we're uh, up there someday, but, but that's where I think we get in so much trouble of, of this complacency. And I have this, I don't know. It's just, how do we live this life with no regrets? Again, all focused on like God put us on this earth for a reason. So let's go find out what's possible and let's do what he gifted us to do. And when we just hand out the trophies and hand out the ribbons and do all this stuff, it, it takes the purpose away from it. It takes the focus away from it. It something that we, we teach our kids is like, you have to work for what you want, right? You pray like heck for it and you pray hard for what you want, but God expects you to get to work too. Like that's in the Bible. It's like, he expects you to get to work. It's um, go build the temples. Like there's story after story in the Bible. So we have to have that discipline. He's told us, he shared that with us. So like, let's go do it. There is no perfection, right? I, I will say again, like there is no perfection. You are going to get off track. Right. When I talk about being a you know mental toughness expert, right? The way I define mental toughness, which God's gifted us with, is all it is is resiliency or whatever you want to call it, is when we get off track, how quickly can we close the time gap, right? From getting off track to getting back on. That's all we're trying to do is close the time gap. So I went to church and then didn't go back for five weeks. Okay. Well, how do I change that to instead of every five weeks, I go to church and pray to every three weeks. And then every two weeks and then every one week where I'm being more consistent with it, we're closing that time gap. Um, how do we, this participation, like I, I want my kids to know that there are great things available to us, including that's re that relationship with God, including all, all the things that he's promised us. But we have to be willing to do the work to make it happen. Well, and I think what you're saying here is we get ready to wrap up this conversation is and part of the reason that I think your perspective is so healthy is just like in politics, I'm not a fan of the entitlement society just because I'm born, I'm entitled to a living wage. No, you're not. Just because I'm born, I'm entitled to high quality health care. No, you're not. And for some people that, geez, Paul, that sounds harsh. Well, it's also reality to some degree. And I think individuals when it comes to faith, may have this entitlement mentality. I believe in God. I'm good. Are you? Again, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But God gave us this thing called the Great Commission. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Are you doing that? God talks about uh, those who deny me in front of man, I will deny in front of my heavenly Father. Maybe you're not somebody who says, I don't believe in God, but maybe you're denying Christ by omission, the things you're not mm -hmm. saying, the opportunities you're not taking. Mm -hmm. So it is right and it is good to have a healthy fear of the Lord and just take nothing for granted. 
Speaking of taking nothing for granted, if you are an executive, if you are a leader, if you're somebody that your employees depend on, working with somebody like Matt Phillips, I just think is an absolute no-brainer. So Matt, 30 seconds or less, if somebody wanted to learn more about your leadership coaching, about your mental toughness services, where should they go? What should they do? Go visit mattphillipscoaching.com. Check out what we do, the results we get. Uh, because everything we do is about taking action. So whether it's through our online high-performance leadership program, whether it's one-on-one coaching, the C-suite mastermind we offer, or a keynote speech, we are here to help you, help your team, frankly, get out of their own way and experience what is possible in business and in life. MattPhillipsCoaching.com is the best place to connect. And if all of the things that Matt has set up to this point about his background, about his expertise, about his belief in Jesus Christ, if all of that wasn't enough to get you to want to be associated with this guy, the next question will. Matt, I got to do this before I run out of time, just because, again, your answer to this earlier before we got on the air was awesome. Tell us, what is your favorite movie, please? It is Tommy Boy. <laughs> so, Old school <laughs> classic. <laughs> anybody who loves those uh, Chris Farley movies, anybody who's a fan of the Callahan break pads, that guy is right there at the top of my list. So anyway, brother Matt, it is a blessing to have you in C-Suite for Christ. And thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Thanks for having me, Paul. I appreciate you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Don't go away. We'll be back with some closing words in about 10 seconds. Well, as we get ready to say goodbye here on another edition of the C-Suite for Christ podcast, boy, howdy, isn't Matt Phillips great? Just a blessing to the ministry. It is wonderful to have him associated with our organization. Feel free to look him up. Not only is he a wonderful Christian leadership coach, but this mental toughness expert side of him is very desperately needed in society today. So he's just a, an absolute blessing to our organization. And again, if you want to hang out with more people like Matt Phillips, if you want to be encouraged by someone like Matt Phillips, if you want to be prayed for by someone like Matt Phillips, go to our website, become an official member of C-Suite for Christ. We've got thousands of people just like Matt Phillips all over this ministry. Our website again is csuiteforchrist.com. Com. Real quick, again, we were unpacking today 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 25. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that'll fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. To sum up here, 45 seconds or less, it is true you cannot earn your way into heaven, but if you're going to get your eternal prize, you need to work for it, and I believe that takes four primary steps. Again, this is not participation ribbon Christianity. You need to work for it. You can't just show up and magically poof, you're in heaven when your number is called. Number one, you must, with every fiber of your being, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior in your heart. And only you will know if you're going through the motions or if you really, truly have accepted him with every fiber of your being. Once that happens, you need to develop an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Talk to him regularly. Get to know him at a deep level. Have these very intimate conversations with him so you can feel that he's not just your Lord and Savior, but he's also your best friend. Number three, start taking what you're learning and sharing it with others. According to the Great Commission, we need to make disciples of all nations. And you cannot do that by being quiet and you're afraid of political correctness or cancel culture. And then lastly, you can do all those things, but if you're living a lifestyle that is the absolute opposite of Christianity, that's going to undermine everything that you've done up to this point. Does your life reflect God's love for mankind to the rest of society? And I firmly believe that if the answer is yes, 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 you will win your race, you will get that eternal prize, and you will wear a crown that will never, ever, ever fade away. One thing that'll never fade away is my love for you. I, I, I love you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the C-Suite for Christ podcast. Go to our website, csuiteforchrist.com. Attend a monthly gathering. Buy your tickets 
for the February 9th Covering the World in Christ celebration. Attend one of our weekly ministries. If you live in a certain state or a particular country and you want to bring our ministry to your neck of the woods, go to our website and learn more about becoming a C-Suite for Christ licensee. But whatever you do, do something because we are better together and we are stronger together. I'm Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here. You're like one of a kind And my eyes light up when I think about you I won't forget you Life goes on and on